grace in the Bible blog. You can take out your sermon notes. The Bible blog's in the bulletin there. You can get out your Bible. We're going to move quick because we don't have a lot of time tonight, but I just want to share this word of grace. The reason we need grace is because it's so easy for us to miss the mark. It seems like our default settings as human beings just constantly falls short again and again and again. And we say, God, how can you love us? I mean, how can you actually choose us? And we have such a hard time believing it, but I want to tell you tonight that he does, that he loves you, that he has chosen you, that he blesses you. Two weeks ago, I preached uh, about the thief on the cross, and you can listen to any of these messages online for free, but um, talked about the thief on the cross and grace in his life, and last week on Easter, I preached about the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and how they needed grace. They were broken people, and yet God chose them to write the story of Jesus' life. And for tonight and Next week, I want us to dive into the life of Peter. Because quite simply, if God can use Peter, he can use anybody. (laughs) If God can love him, choose him, accept him, then there is hope for us all. Peter is connected to Mark because Mark failed on his first missionary journey. talked a lot about that last week. And he and Peter connect in Rome, and they have this relationship, so much so that Peter in the Bible calls Mark his son, even though he's not his real son. Kind of like Paul and Timothy, this idea of a son in the faith, and there's this connection as the gospel goes from Jerusalem to Rome, and and, and with Peter and Mark together, that there's this connection, and I think the connection came because they both failed Jesus. They both failed that first big time out, if you will. What's interesting about Peter's failure is that it's recorded in all four Gospels. And it's recorded at great length. There are very few stories in the life of Jesus that find its way into all four Gospels. Yet the failure of Peter is one of those stories. That denying of Christ. While Jesus was at Caiaphas' house and the pre-trial is taking place as they're mocking him and trying to come up with some charges against him and and they're beating him and and all these different things that are going on and and Peter is there and when he's pointed out as a disciple he denies Jesus again and again and again until Luke 22 verse 61 says the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter Now imagine that moment. Jesus has already told you you're going to die. No, Lord, I will never deny you. All the others can run away. I never will. I never, ever will deny you, Jesus. And then on that third one, he looks at Jesus eye to eye. I don't know if you you watched the Bible series on the History Channel last week, but they had this portrayed like I'd never seen it before that they had beaten Jesus and he is on the ground and the Roman soldier pushes uh, Peter to the ground and they're both lying on the ground looking in each other's eyes and Peter just begins to weep when he realizes what he has done. 
Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This had to be the worst moment of Peter's life. The biggest failure he could ever imagine. And is there any coming back from this one? Because Jesus is going to go to the cross and he's going to die. And what was the last thing Peter did? He denied Jesus. The one that he said, this is the Christ, the son of the living God. He now denies openly in public. And as the rooster crows, there's no doubt that every time he hears a rooster crow in the future, he's just going to go back to that memory, that moment of seeing Jesus looking at him in the eye realizing that he had failed. You ever have those things in in your life, maybe it's something you see or something you smell or something you taste that immediately takes you to a distant memory that you thought was locked away somewhere, all of a sudden it's like it was right there, it just unlocked that memory. What if that's what it was like for Peter every time he heard a rooster crow? He just remembered that moment over and over and over again. And remember where Peter lives. I mean, he lives in an ancient culture, and in, in an agrarian culture. So, I mean, the, the nature's alarm clock is the rooster, okay? It, when it comes up, that's, when the sun comes up, I mean, that's what happens. And so every single morning, he would be reminded of his failure. So let me talk to you now about your life. The enemy wants to remind you of every single failure you've ever done. And isn't it funny how it comes at the most random times in our life that something just, it just, the enemy just keeps putting it right in front of our face. You failed at this and you failed at that. And it's just like the crow of the rooster for Peter that the enemy wants to bring things into our life that immediately brings in guilt, immediately brings in those feelings of failure, the fear in our life that God doesn't love us and he could never use us. And so the enemy wants to do that over and over and over again. The good news is, Jesus comes and he wants to make all things new. When Jesus comes and when he teaches, he always says, look, I don't care what you were. Let's talk about where you're headed. I don't care what you used to do or what you think you should do. You know, he does it over and over again. I I think probably the most clear teaching is in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5 through 7, he's just constantly trying to recondition how we think and and recondition who we are. You know, he says things like, you've heard it said, but now I tell you. He's trying to change how we think. He says things like, you know what, I I know that uh, you should, they say you should hate your enemies, but I'm going to tell you this. I want you to pray for those who persecute you. I want you to change your response. I want to change who you are. You know, everybody's out trying to find their life and save their life. He goes, I want you to lose your life. And when you do that, that's when you'll really find it. I, I, I want you, instead of always trying to be first, I want you to go last. Try that. Change. Recondition yourself to a new way of thinking. When you get slapped in the face, don't slap back. Turn the other cheek. Jesus says, I am trying to change you into a new person. The devil wants to keep us old and locked up, and God wants to change us into a new person. It talks about this in the New Testament, that we would be spirit-filled, that we would be led of the Holy Spirit, and not according to our flesh. And so that's the good news of Jesus. He says, I'm going to change you into an entirely new person. 
And I want, to, I want to recondition you from your old way into the new man that I've called you to be. Let's get back to the life of Peter for now. I'm going to ask you to fast forward into John chapter 21. And in John chapter 21, we see the ultimate reconciliation of, of, of Peter. And I, I love the video that we just watched because that is kind of a, a reenactment of John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, Peter says to the other disciples, I'm, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go out to fish. And, and probably at this point of Peter's life, he thinks his, uh, his life as a disciple is over. You know what? I have failed. There's no way to make this right. It is over. And so I am going to now go back to what I used to do. I failed one too many times, and so it's back to my old life, and I'm a fisherman, so that's what I'm going to do. Let me tell you this. The devil would love nothing more than for Peter to spend the rest of his life in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus had a different plan for him to take the gospel all the way to Rome and all over the world. But the devil wants to keep us uh, out of the plan of God. He wants to keep us bound up in our fear. He wants to keep us bound up in our failure and, 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 and just those, that, that guilt that we have. And God says, I've got so much more for you. Don't let the enemy neutralize you. And so Jesus has to come into Peter's life and, and recondition how he feels. And so he begins by asking Peter three times, do you love me? And as you look at that in the text, and even in the Greek, there are different words for love there. But basically what Jesus is doing three times is he's, he's saying, look, you denied me three times. Now you're going to tell me that you love me three times. But what's interesting is Peter almost gets angry by the last one. Come on, Jesus, you know that I love you. I know I made a mistake, but, but you know that I love you. So what Jesus does is he just takes this time and he reconditions him with grace. I know you love me, Peter. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You know what he's saying to Peter? Is Peter, I love you too. And I still choose you. I still choose you. I still choose you to feed my sheep. That's Jesus. That's his grace. And he comes in and he will come into your life in the exact same way. Now here's the point of the story. I, I, I share this every time I teach the life of Christ because this is the most important part of the story is when this happens, when he asks, do you love me? And when he says, feed my sheep. And it says in John 24, excuse me, 21 verse 4, John 21 verse 4, it says that this happened early in the morning. And literally in the Greek, it's the word dawn, that it happened at dawn. So the question becomes, when do roosters crow? At dawn. And so instead of when the rooster crows tomorrow, Peter remembering that awful time of seeing Jesus' eyes and how he failed and how there was no more hope, now he remembers Jesus on the seashore saying, I love you, Peter. And I still choose you. I still choose you. I still choose you. 
It would be a daily reminder of God's grace in Peter's life. We need that daily reminder each day. Because the enemy wants to remind us of how we fail. But God says, I want to take your mistake and turn it into a ministry. And that's what I love about Peter, is who does he have become his son in the face? faith? It's the, it's the mark that failed. It's the mark that failed when he went out with Paul, and he ran home because he got scared. And Paul said, okay, you're done. No more for you. And, and Peter says, no, come with me. He took the biggest mistake and turned it into a life of ministry. And I love that. Now, here's kind of how we bring it into a conclusion tonight, is I'm always impressed when I watch shows like the Bible on TV or things like that, when I watch men and women with such great faith follow Jesus. I really am. I mean, that they just believed God said something, and so, okay, God's going to do it because he said it, and they take these tremendous acts of faith. And that always impresses me. But you know what I think is even more remarkable? is that Jesus puts his faith in us. It's not that we put our faith in God, but that he puts his faith in us. That he would choose me to preach. That he would choose the angels to to go to Mexico. That he would choose any of us to live for him. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. But yet, that's our God. He chooses people that have messed up. They may have even given up, but Jesus never gives up. I love it. Mark 16, 7. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Come on, go get Peter. I know he thinks it's over. I know he thinks he's failed, but go get him. God wants to, to change us and recondition us from guilt to grace, from failure to faith. And here's the bottom line of, of, of this thought. And we'll talk about Peter next week as well. But Jesus wasn't surprised by Peter's failure. In fact, he predicted that Peter would fail. He's not surprised by your failures. He knows. But that's what grace is all about, is he loves us in spite of our failures. He loves us in spite of when we mess up and make mistakes. You can never exhaust his love. And you know, it's funny because a lot of people say, well, I just, I don't feel worthy. You're never going to be worthy. But he'll make you worthy because he still calls you. He still loves you. He still says, you're mine and you belong to me. And he still makes all things new. He is the great redeemer. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight? I just want to pray with everyone here because um, I don't know why the Holy Spirit has chosen to do this the past several weeks, but our thoughts have been about the love and the grace of God. We're going to continue with Peter's life uh, next week as well, but just in our hearts tonight, I just, I want you to know, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says in words in red, I have come that you might have life, abundant, full, rich, satisfying, depending on your translation. I've come to give you abundant life. 
The enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to remind you of every failure. And God wants to say, hey, I love you and I choose you. I want us to put our faith, our hope, our trust in Jesus. It is not about us. It is all about him. And I want us to get a hold of how much he loves us and how big his grace is. And so I'm going to just, once again, invite you in a prayer to just dedicate your life to Jesus. Maybe you're, you don't know him. Maybe you're far from him. Maybe you're listening right now or maybe you're even watching, but you just need to, to have a heart right with God. You just want, to, you want that moment with Jesus like Peter had where we ask Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And we want to respond, yes, we love you. We want God to respond back, I love you too. I choose you. So I'm going to just say this prayer, and and I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. If you want to have that relationship with Jesus, if you want to come back to him, if you just want to restate that you are his follower, repeat this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I invite you to come into my heart. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you right now. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for for not taking out the parts when the disciples would fail when the men and women of the Old and New Testament would fall flat on their face, and how, God, you would just be there to lift them up, dust them off, let them know how much you love them, show them how big your grace is, and continue choosing them, and blessing them, and favoring them. God, I don't know why you chose all of us in this room, but you did. And God, we want to walk in that love and in that grace and not in the condemnation and guilt of the enemy. So let that be gone. And God, recondition us to know your love and your grace every single moment of our life so that we can share your love and your grace with a world that so desperately needs it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Are you in the message of grace? It's coming through. I don't know what God wants to do, but it seems like every week it's something about that. And, and, um, and I know it was a little uh, shorter message this week because uh, we have some, actually tomorrow we have a lot more going on, so I'm not sure exactly how we're going to fit all that in a service. But, um, but, but I'm so glad that you're here. But we do have something we need to do before we go uh, tonight. And uh, that is, first of all, we're going to watch a video of the Ascension Convention. We hosted a, a youth convention, uh, and it was just unbelievable. And so we have some testimonies and pictures from that we're going to show in just a moment. But what we do every uh, first weekend of the month is we receive an offering uh, for those in need. And we're actually going to do that this, this month as well, but we're going to do it a little differently uh, because um, uh, we want to sow this offering uh, to the world. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Merrill to come up and, and uh, just let us know some of the needs. We even got calls today 
where there was tremendous needs. And so this is, this is an above and beyond offering. This is, please don't feel any obligation to give. This is for people that, that want to help those that are poor or in need or missions. And so this is above and beyond offering, uh, but it really is going to help some real significant things uh, around the world. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I, uh, I was late for church tonight because you mentioned we had a call and uh, three families from Belize uh, were stuck in Chicago. We had to run out, get them taken care of before I could come back to church. So the need goes on and on. But especially, I'm so happy that you got to meet and Jesus and Helica. Uh, they mentioned that on the uh, church that they've just, just started a new church and um, bought this partially finished building and it doesn't have a roof on it. I asked them for church, how much would it cost to get the roof on? They said, if we had $5,000, we could put the metal roof and the windows and the doors in the building. We could finish that church for $5,000. I think, I think it was funny. I don't mean to interrupt, but I think it was funny that when they bought the building, the guy actually took the roof when he left. So they thought they were getting a roof, but apparently, like they said, that's not part of the, the contract. So the guy took the roof. So uh, let's help them if we can. Right. You have the walls up, and you know, we buy a house, we get the roof with it. But uh, when it's a metal roof, I could go take the roof. It belonged to me, not you. So uh, that was the end of that. Uh, you don't know the, the work, the sacrifice that they've, that they've done. And I really praise the Lord. They came up here. Um, I don't know. I don't want to tell all their life story. But, but uh, they had a pickup truck. And they traded the truck in for the down payment for that church and for the land. They took their own truck to buy the church. And uh, now they came up and say, hoping God could provide for a truck for us while we're here as well. Doesn't have to be a new one. A pickup truck is the only thing that works in those hilly part of Mexico. And I, they came back this afternoon for service. I said, well, did you get money for the truck? And they said, no, not really. <laughs> so uh, let's just give tonight. God laid on our heart, whatever we can do. I'm not saying we give a truck and a roof, but I have faith rather than doubt. Amen. So let's be. Yeah, and we just... We, like I said, we just received this offering for those that are in need every month. And so this month, uh, it's going to go uh, around the world. So I'm um, going to invite the men to come forward. And as they do, let's pray and uh, give with uh, generous hearts. And, and the angels are in the lobby, and they do have those bracelets and things. They'd love to meet you. And, uh, and you can talk to them in the lobby. But God, uh, we now give, as you say in your word, to those who are in need. And um, so we give, um, Lord, really to you that you may supply all of their needs according to the riches and glory. And God, I thank you uh, for choosing us as a church, whether it be the angels uh, or the Romeros or families from Belize or whoever calls, God. Thank you um, that we get to say yes to your kingdom work. And uh, Lord, just I pray that everything comes in this weekend that they need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn your attention toward the screen for a uh, powerful...